Hello, everyone. We welcome you to our roundtable discussion this morning with a beautiful subject on love. We are recording today from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. And we are so very happy and grateful you all could join us today. And we will start this morning with our morning prayer. Reading from page 312 of miscellaneous writings and 229 of Divinity Course in General Collectani, except from those. Oh, may the love that is talked be felt and so lived, that when weighed in the scale of God, we be not found wanting. Love is consistent, uniform, sympathetic, self-sacrificing, unalterably kind, is in that which lays upon the altar and speechless and alone, bears all burdens, suffers all inflictions, endures all piercing for the sake of others and for the kingdom of heaven. Thank you. Abide in love. Nothing can touch or harm you in love. Know that you live in love. Love is God as life itself. Take this understanding with you and bless others with love. Mary Baker Eddy. Wow, that was beautiful. Thank you, Florence. All right, our watching point. Karen. Um, number 342. Watch lest you be afraid of animal magnetism and its revenge on its destroyer, when the only danger is lest you be deceived by a lie. Once Mrs. Eddy told her students to declare, quote, there is no rebound of hatred after the baptism of love. Error cannot turn and rend its destroyer, end quote. If you placed poison on a sleeping bug, it would first awaken to activity before it died. So when we seek to destroy hatred through the realization of divine love, hatred is aroused to revenge. It would seem unjust that when a scientist is seeking humbly to reflect divine love, he should be met with such aggressive error in the form of hatred. But if the master and our leader did not complain, neither should we. In the copyrights in Washington, covering Lyman Powell's life of Mrs. A, is a notation from Clara Shannon to the effect that while living in Lynn, when Mrs. Eddy went to Boston, she had to return home early because she was followed by different men. Quote, During the night, the doorbell was rung many times by men who came one after the other, and the policemen in the street kept watch on the house. End quote. It is obvious that the great love Mrs. Eddy reflected from God was interpreted by mortal mind to be fleshly and her home to be perhaps a house of ill fame. What did this indicate 
but hatred pursuing the spiritual idea. These men felt Mrs. Eddy's love and interpreted it according to a human level. Think what a cross this was to our leader. It was because of the spiritual love she reflected that she encountered the opposite hatred and its revenge on its destroyer. Yet, through such experiences, she learned that she need never fear any error that she uncovered. She taught us to know that sin's revenge can never harm us in any way. Its only effect is to force us to go higher. Thank you. All right, comments on that. That fits into what we were discussing yesterday yes. when you were talking to us about we don't need to be uh, afraid that we can be harmed in the work we do. That's right, the discussion on martyrs. We had a wonderful Bible study yesterday. Get the recording. Yes, and, and what you read from um, Malpractice by Mrs. Wilcox, which said what? Um, that too many Christian scientists fear that yeah, that they uh, will have malpractice for doing the work that they're doing, and that uh, it was all within their own thought and uh, their own fear. It was mesmerism. It was, there was, it was a lie. Made them superstitious. Made them superstitious. Yeah. The dominion is always within within you. Otherwise, otherwise, if you if you believe that 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 you can be affected by malpractice, then you are believing that there's a power other than God, and you're fearing that power. Now it is equally uh, not right to ignore it. Uh, I mean, if you're feeling things, or if you you know maybe you know someone, there are people who maliciously malpractice against others. Um, you need to, as we talked about, I guess it was last week, handle it to know it's powerless. I mean, we've known things, uh, and it's impersonal. It's not directed toward anyone, but the hater gets all the hate. Era goes back on itself and destroys itself with accelerated force. You have every right to, to protect yourself and to say those things from this seeming uh, attack. Because in truth, all is infinite mind and it's infinite manifestation for God is all in all. And somewhere, and I thought it was in Martha Wilcox, the only way where she says the only way you can be affected by malpractice is to be a malpractitioner. That means you're hating, you're fearing, you're in the carnal mind. So therefore, it would seem to reach you. You have to rise above it. Did I say something? Yes. Uh, exactly what I have been uh, working on. Last night, I got a WhatsApp from the studio that one of the studios that I have to leave and the other one I have to leave, and I had a human sense of panic. And then I said, well, that is a lie. It's not practice. And then I remembered three interesting situations where by changing my thoughts and realizing God is all in all life change, and I'd like to share them with you. Once I was um, hitchhiking when I was two years old, or 
And the man picked me up and he had the wrong idea. He had the wrong sense of why he did it. But I had been holding on to Shepherd, show me how to go. And I was so carried by that thought. And that's all I saw. And all of a sudden the man, the man stopped his car and he said, get out. You must be an angel from God. I was planning to do X, Y, Z, but I can't. And he threw a lot of money out and he just left me on the side of the road. A little bit later, I was bewildered but grateful that I was taken care of. A little bit later, the police in uh, Southern Illinois came by, and they asked me if I'd seen a man. He was known to, you know, to molest women and murder them. And I said, no, I wasn't looking for anybody like that, but I did see a man who gave me a ride, and he just took me out of the car. They said, it must be him. And so I was thinking, this child I caught, but I had to just point you, God was always We're we're losing you, Sarah, if you could talk a little louder. Okay, but this childlike thought uh, that I had as a young woman, as a young person, was exactly, you know, where Mary Baker Eddy held to that thought. And so in getting the right sense of, of studio, having the right sense of mini mansions or the right studio, I realized that by just having that understanding, the spiritual understanding as a young person, which we never lose, it's always with us. And so Mary Baker Eddy uh, had in her eternal uh, life expressed that. Yes, that's right. And that's what uh, the definition of, of angels in the glossary is about. And that's why we all need to always work with that. Um, because that's exactly right. It, it repels any thought that's not of God. They can't come. It can't come to you. And that's certainly what Mrs. Eddy was doing. Yes. And the second one I want to share is I was bicycling from uh, on Western Illinois. To, uh, I had gone to uh, university early to Timer. At, uh, and I was bicycling. And my chain, um, you know, came off my bicycle and there were some men down the road and I went back to them and uh, I spoke to them and they didn't want to talk and I kept speaking to them and then one of them repaired the bicycle. And um, a little bit later, I crossed the tracks. A woman said to me, did you see some crackers? And I said, crackers? What are crackers? And she said, did you see some Klansmen? And I said, I don't know what you mean. And she said, the men dressed in white. And I said, well, I saw some men who didn't want to talk much, but want my bicycle. And she said, God helps fools and angels. (laughs) (laughs) So in searching for a right sense of studio, I went back to these early uh, healings and I said, thank you, God. Oh, well, good. Thank you. Thank you, Sari. Anyone else? I think, too, in, in this, um, you know, it, it's our pure love. If, if our love is pure, then uh, we know that purity is our protection. So even if we don't seem to be aware uh, of, you know, we're just, we're just love, but it's the pure spiritual, that love that is God and it doesn't have to the best of our ability, any human sense of it, that is our protection. Um, 
and and so I, I just you know that purity is, and I and I didn't realize it at the time. There have been many times in my younger experience where um, my innocence um, it just really protected me uh, in in situations that I had no idea until later how I was protected. So I think that pure love, reflecting the divine love, is really a protection, even if we're not aware at the time of what we're being protected from. Thank you. Yes, and it, it is the divine pure love that protects, because you see it would be the human sensual type of love that would attract that kind of thing. So that's why it's always important to be in that right state of mind. And again, the definition of angels, page 581 in the glossary, God's thoughts passing to man, spiritual intuitions, pure and perfect. The inspiration of goodness, purity, and immortality, counteracting all evil, sensuality, and mortality. And I, I mean, it, it absolutely works. I've heard so many examples of this. So many times, even when someone maybe was going to get mugged or something like that, and um, the person couldn't do it or ran away or... Uh, if you're in that state of thought, the era can't come near you. We're never victims. We always have dominion with God. We just have to remember it and use it. Um, in this subject on love, I remember I was thinking last time we had it, the, the best way I can explain love is to give you so many examples of Mrs. Eddie and how she the way she lovingly treated things. And one, most of this is going to come from the Tomlinson book, 12 Years with Mary Baker Eddy by Irving Tomlinson. This is the biography I've been reading, that one in the, in the David Keeston one called The Healer. I know many of you have spoken about the Doris Greckel trilogy, which is also very good. I actually haven't read all of that, but these two are incredible. And I've realized a lot of uh, stories I, I've heard about Mrs. Eddy that a jingle jangle in my head. <laughs> They're in this Tomlinson book. Um, beautiful, beautiful things, mm -hmm. beautiful stories, because he knew her first name, as, as is the Keystone book. So one of them is, uh, it says, um, this is on page 83, Mrs. Eddy was fearless in handling there's a noise, is that? It's oh. Mrs. Eddy was fearless in handling the claims of malicious arguments of evil, and she taught her students to be equally fearless and wise. The health and harmony manifested in her home was outstanding. <clears throat> she taught the members of her household that when they properly kept watch over their thinking, they cleared their thought of the belief in evil. You see... That's true protection is knowing there is no such thing as evil. Even if you think you have to protect from something in truth, all is infinite mind and it's infinite manifestation. And that's how you can change these seeming pictures and certainly not have it touch you, but also heal whatever person was involved. Um, she says, after one of the severe assaults made upon Mrs. Eddy, when a member of the household went to her with kindly sympathy, Mrs. Eddy replied somewhat as follows. 
And these are a, a list of these quotes that Mrs. Eddy said after having a, a severe assault, mental malpractice, okay? Every argument to hurt anyone, if reversed, does that one good. All things shall and do work together for good to them that love God, as the Bible teaches. Sin and sickness are not infectious. We do not catch sickness or sin. Good alone is catching. Divine love governs. This is the law of Christ, and it is fulfilled, and it cannot be reversed. There is one mind in all, over all, and governing all. Remember that malice exultant is no greater than malice defeated. Both are false. But to know and understand what malice, that malice is nothing, is to defeat it. We can and do trust in our God to deliver us from the persecution of those who war against truth and love. The holy sense of God is all and love, and that there is no other mind is the best way to meet the malicious arguments of evil. So I thought those were beautiful in ways that she handled this. And she was always handling it because she was always ha having to meet it, right? <laughs> Which is why she is such a, a wonderful example of this. So now I must... Say, oh, before I go any further, farther, um, Carolyn in Canada had pointed out to us that Herbert Eustace was not appointed as a member of the Board of Trustees by Mrs. Eddy, which we had thought. I'm not sure how or why. I think we'd heard it somewhere, and we had been quoted as saying that. But tell us, Jeremy. Yeah, it turns out in 1912 that um, James Neal was leaving the trustees of the publishing uh, part, and uh, then they elected Herbert Eustace at that time. And uh, we, we have this thing from the Christian, Christian Science Foundation in England that kind of goes through the whole steps of it. So... I was glad to find that. Yeah, th thank you. So thank you. And um, thank you to Carolyn. Anytime you find things that are not factually correct, we, we would want to correct them. Um, so anyway, I, I had meant to do that last week. But if anybody has never read the to uh, Clear Correct Teaching, they definitely should. <laughs> definitely should read that. And that's a wonderful, another wonderful example of meeting Hatred, malpractice, excommunication, meeting it with love. And as I've said, he went on to live a very long and prosperous life doing much good. But he loved. He refused to hate. He refused to get resentful. Absolutely verboten. And, and one thing he said that I just thought was really good is uh, he says, the first question ever raised about the authoritativeness of my teaching was after I had differed with the directors upon the interpretation of a legal document. So. <laughs> oh, wow. There we are. Yeah. Yeah, there we are. The human mind. <laughs> so uh, I, I thought I would uh, let people know in case you don't, but uh, for the book that Mary mentioned, that 12 years with um, Mary Baker Eddy, 
Um, it was published by the Christian Science Publishing Society, um, but uh, it doesn't seem you can find it available to buy from the Boston Church. Um, it is on our website for our um, bibliography for Mary Baker Eddy. Um, so if you don't have a copy, you can find copies of it on archive.org. Um, so it's available there. Thank you so much, Tom. Because I'm telling you, I, I think it's invaluable, this book. I'm, really, it's quite the biography. Um, and I, I'm going to be continually quoting from it during this time together. So, um, Carol, would you read the golden text, please? Hatred stirreth, stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all sins. Thank you. Now, I must say, when I saw this Golden Texas week, I gave a big sigh <laughs> because after last week, the whole thrust of it was about the importance of covering or not covering uncovering, error, yes, un uncovering error. So we're going to get into this because this is a deeper lesson and it's the yin and the yang of the whole thing. So I will... I will begin with something from, again, the Tomlinson book, page 75, just to set the stage here. Then Mrs. Um, Eddie questioned us all. What do you lack most, faith, hope, or love? We answered love. Yes, said Mrs. Eddie. Having the understanding of love, you establish health and peace. What was it, Mrs. Eddy continued, that made Jesus the Messiah? The answer given was his spiritual understanding. I will give you the answer, she replied. The true answer in the language of the Bible, he loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Then she proceeded to explain that the true Christian not only loves the right, but that he hates iniquity and is willing to uncover the evil in himself and in others. She made it clear that he was not a true disciple who closed his eyes to wrongdoing and took no steps to unmask the wrongdoer and bring to an end the evil doing. She further commented that in Christian science, we are not to draw back from our duty of exposing error and thus causing it to be destroyed from fear of adding fuel to era's flames, was partly in our watching point, <clears throat> or from fear of adding fuel to era's flames, whether it appears likely to harm us or the cause of truth. We are to do right and leave the consequences to God. Referring to the necessary rebuke of era, she said, as I later wrote down my impressions of her words, and this is a quote, and this is one of the quotes that jingle around in my head. <laughs> one of the hardest things I have had to do was to deal with this very question. I would rather at any time dwell on love alone and get away from error. But that would not do. It would allow error to increase. Jesus rebuked sharply. I must do so until I arrive at that place in mind where I cannot see error, where God's spirit is all in all. The omnipresence of good involves the nothingness of evil, 
but the mental argument must be used until you can heal instantaneously without it. Now, the reason I dwell on this as much as I do is because until I met Mrs. Evans, I never knew of anybody in the Christian science movement that did this. Not a one. And it was shocking the first time I heard her talking like this. But it needs to be taught because this has to cleanse the movement, cleanse everything. First of all, and first and foremost, is always yourself. Because you really can't help others until you've done it to yourself. And that is to realize any any suggestions that are going on are not you and need to be kicked out. And you've got to rebuke it. But you see it not as person, place, or thing, but as animal magnetism. And then you're free to do it. But that is a very important section in this Tomlinson book and in the practice of science. So now we get to this. That was the yin. Now we're getting to the yang. (laughs) All right. So let's see now. Nancy, you wrote about this watching point very beautifully. Uh, Yes, thank you. Um, Our golden text had me thinking about how or even why love would cover sin. Uh, So when looking up the definition of cover uh, in Webster's 1828, Uh, I found the definition to hide or conceal by something overspread, to conceal from notice or punishment. These were not what I would associate with the word love. But then I saw this definition, to pardon or remit. And I looked further and found the following Bible commentaries, which I thought gave a beautiful explanation of, of Proverbs 10. Quote, charity forgives sin and forgets sin, just as God forgives and forgets them. Love hides and conceals sin under the same forgiving cover that Jesus Christ shows. Love overlooks offenses against it. Hatred gets offended, holds bitterness, or plots revenge. Love forgets and hides the sins of the repentant. Hatred remembers them or spreads them to others. Love hears rumors or even factual news of others' sins, but never repeats them. Hatred craves private information and spreads it to any listener. And that was a Proverbs commentary from a website I found, uh, Let God Be True. And then also from a Bridges commentary, love covers, overlooks, speedily gives and forgets, full of candor and inventiveness. It puts the best construction on doubtful matters and does not expose the faults of a brother. Oh, let us put on the Lord Jesus in his spirit of forbearing, sacrificial love, and let us forgive as we have been forgiven by Christ. Thank you. This is equally as important. It is it is forgiving and, and over and over, Mrs. Eddy says this in Science and Health. You forgive what? Does it here? Yes, it forgets and hides the sins of the repentant. Oh, the repentant. Remember in, in the story of Mag- Mary Magdalene, she repented of her sins, right? She repented. Yeah. 
And when is a sin repented? When it's behaving. When you reform, not to do it again. When it is destroyed in the consciousness of the sinner. Mm -hmm. When it is totally destroyed, has no place. That person is 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 truly repentant. I don't know if anyone could look up. Gary was saying he thought the word cover meant to wipe out. I'm not sure what. There are probably various definitions of that word, but um, but yes, then it, yes, and all those answers were correct. Reform, um, change, not do it again, but certainly destroyed. So there's not even a trace of it. Um, but then then it is the most tender tenderness of love and compassion and you see don't you I mean you see it so often in today's world everybody bringing up the past sins of others forgetting perhaps all the good that person might have done but oh he did this I mean this is truly obnoxious one definition of cover in 1828 Webster's Dictionary is to overwhelm. So I think that's probably, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, it, it's, it is this idea um, because love is tender, long-suffering. Um, and it is very important that we have a right idea of this. Now, um, these are a couple things that Carrie found on this. This was from Ellicott's commentary. Hatred stirreth up strifes. Hatred rakes up again all feuds which have slumbered. But love covers up and refuses to look at any wrong done to it. I mean, haven't you heard of someone, you know, they bring up all this past stuff over and over. that should be long forgotten, forgiven. Or that's why these two articles... I guess they call them articles and miscellaneous writings by Mrs. Eddy are so important. Taking offense and loving your enemies, absolutely essential for your arsenal to understand this. What does she say? You should never take offense unless what? It's an offense to God. God. So if, if air of hatred, whatever strikes at you, you know, you can't meet it back with hate. You can't. It will just put the battle in array. And time and time again, we will see this is what Mrs. Eddy did. And she also said that one cannot offend a whole-souled woman. It's impossible. And that's so. May I just interject? Uh, um, I've been. I remembered uh, the greatest gift in the world. That I found, I haven't read it for quite a while, but I pulled that out this week. It really is wonderful, and the rec there's a recording of it um, on on our website. And uh, Mrs. Eddie said about this book: if it hadn't been written, she would have had to have written it. <laughs> thank you. Yes. So. Yeah. Thank you. I often do read it that we that we have the topic of of love. That's Henry Drummond. Henry Drummond. Yeah. yeah. I'll have that. The it's beautiful. Thing in the world. Great thing. Yeah, the, yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Great. The greatest thing in the world. Yes. It's beautiful. 
It's good to be reminded to go through. It's what, 2 Corinthians 13. Now, this is something else that Carrie sent so beautiful that um, in tropical forests, the orchids thrust out long floating roots into midair from the impure vapors of which they draw their nourishment. They live on trunks of huge decaying trees, which as decomposition proceeds very rapidly would, if left alone, fill the air with poisonous gases. But the orchid swings in rich festoons over the rotting boughs, covering the deformity with its own loveliness, absorbs all foul exaltations, exhalations, and turns them into the perfume of its own sweet flowers. Charity is this beautiful orchid, covering human frailty, clearing away harsh, suspicious, and cruel slanders, breathing forth merciful judgments, compassionate sympathy. And that's James Neal. Now, I was once in Florida walking down the street and I saw this and I couldn't believe it. I had no idea this is how orchids grew. They were just like floating off trees and they were gorgeous, all colors, incredible. And then to have this description of what is really going on, what has not God thought of? Just beautiful. So, and you know, and last last week's lesson which we didn't really get to but the commandment thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor and you know to be talking era about people gossiping bringing up past strifes and other things it, it's it this is not love yes love rebukes love does rebuke for healing and it's done quickly and then done with but it rebukes error, not person. Yes. And bringing up that old stuff is a lot of the reason why people have such a hard time in the holidays. That's so true. Get around family, and that's pretty much all that happens. So. That's right. <laughs> I was happy okay. to stay four hours away. <laughs> They're going to just be talking about all this or th seeing you as in the past, as you were in the past. <clears throat> now, I'm going to read something else that I thought was so beautiful about Mrs. Eddie. This was one I'd been looking for and looking for. And actually, um, Jeremy found it is actually a shortened version is in miscellany. But this is also in Tomlinson, pages 32 and 33. <clears throat> one, this is when Mrs. Eddy was married to Dr. Pattis Patterson. One morning on leaving home, Dr. Patterson said, you need not expect me back tonight. I have some business and I may be gone for several days. That day, he eloped with one of his patients. The husband of the woman that night, returning home, missed his wife and taking an officer, started in pursuit, found them and brought his wife back home. A few days later, a lady called at my home who I did not at first recognize. She was pale and very haggard. Do you not know me? She asked. I replied that I did not. Then she told me her name. Why have you come to me, you who have robbed me of my husband and desolated my home, you who have disgraced yourself and your family? 
She replied, I have come to you because of what my husband has told me of you. I know you must be a good woman, and I felt you would help me. I asked her what I could do for her. She said, My husband has locked me in my room and only gives me bread and water each day. Today, with the help of the servants, I escaped to come to you and ask you to go to my husband and ask him to forgive me. I told her that I would do all that I could for her. The following day, I went to her husband's factory, for he was a wealthy man and a member of one of the leading families of Lynn. I did not find him in in and was told that he had gone on business to Boston. Later, he called at my house and said, I came to ask you if you have really forgiven your husband, and can you forgive my wife her cruelty to you? I forgive them both, I replied, and I ask you to forgive them. He left me, and my heart went out to him. I went to God in prayer for that husband and his home. Soon afterward, I heard that his wife had resumed her place in his household, for the cruelly wronged husband had forgiven her, and their home was once again a happy one. Now, there's just time and time again where Mrs. Eddy uh, did not take offense in situations where certainly one would or could. And she also, this was something else I asked um, uh, Jeremy to find for me. It was in fragments gathered from unpublished items ascribed by Mary Baker Eddy, where Mrs. Eddy told Clara Shannon that she foresaw much trouble ahead for Christian scientists. Tell them never to get into the courts. Hmm. So... You know, we were sued, or we never would have gone there. But it is why I have never felt particularly that I have wanted to get into these people that are suing the organization or suing anybody. It's it, is this is this the way of a Christian, really? I mean, and right now everybody is suing everybody, right? That's just it: sue, suing, suing, suing. So <clears throat> I thought it was a very interesting quote. I was grateful for it. So we're not supposed to be using the tools of the world. Not the tools of the world. That's right. Jesus didn't, did he? Our time is much, much better spent in learning this science and learning this truth. Much better spent that way than in involving ourselves with all this other stuff. I mean, it was hugely time-consuming what we did those years that we defended ourselves. But for that time and that place, it was the right thing. And we learned tremendous lessons from it. But that was that, And that was the value of it. That was, And we, that was the only value. We learned lessons. the name of Christian science, too. We learned lessons yes. that we could not have learned any other way. That's why we're so grateful that God lifted us up out of that bondage, really. But there's a difference there because they, they came after this church and they weren't going to let you use the name Christian Science. 
I have this quote from Collectania, page 44. To run before light is to accept its terms. This work works like running before the enemy in battle. You will be followed, pursued, till you face about, turn and trust to God, and stand on spirit, denying and facing and fighting all claims of matter and mortal mind, <laughs> both one. Thank you very Thank much. You. That's perfect. That's absolutely right. And that's what we had to do. Otherwise, you're just, you know, backing up in front of it. So we had to do that. And we won this for all time. For everyone. For everyone. For everyone. Yes. So, and another example, and this I came upon many times in reading about Mrs. Eddy, but it was in the Keiston book, <clears throat> excuse me, and also in the Tomlinson. During the years she spent in bed as an invalid, she got up a petition for the abolition of slavery, which she sent to President Lincoln, signed by thousands of people. Wow. <laughs> Just in case there's any question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you can... Florence, I think we've muted you because there was an echo, a noise coming. She's unmuted. Yeah, she's unmuted. Yeah. Oh, she's unmuted. Good. Okay. Yeah. And then there have been other things um, that she did, poetry, other things she wrote, even though she felt opposition perhaps from some, but she stood fast on that. And I thought last week talking about Lincoln and Frederick Douglass. Well, we can also add Mrs. Eddy. <laughs> and, uh, yes. Yes, thank you. I read this before, and I think I've said it before. Her stand with the abolition, abolition. Yes. Mm -hmm. Very strong, very clear, no doubt. She did tremendous work, tremendous prayer. She was always working for the good of others. Again, another aspect of of love. Um, so. I can't see how a woman like that could be otherwise. I can't see it because she saw man as God sees man. Yes, exactly. And that's why she was also, in addition to abolition, she was also a tremendous force for the rights of women. Yeah. That's right. For the same reason. Yeah, and then of course the the freedom of the the human mind because all of these are are is a tyranny of the human right mind right whether it's slavery or the um, women form of slavery different forms of slavery uh, what she did for our for all time is just we can't even begin to estimate it all it's and it still goes on and it it always is done with tremendous love tremendous love and tenderness and yes not never bearing false witness against your neighbor never speaking okay go ahead no i was gonna say that's that's one of the things that's always struck me about mrs eddie that the strength of that love and she did to me she you know even if i weren't a christian scientist the things that she did as a woman with supposedly no rights and she didn't get political about it. She didn't turn into like kind of a rabid feminist and she didn't, 
she stood up for perfect womanhood without diminishing men or diminishing anybody else, which you don't see these days. It's usually people who are fighting for something are lashing out at somebody else or lashing out at another group for doing this or that or the other. And she right. never did anything like that. And that's that perfect. That's, that's how love handles things. Thank you. You don't see that in lashing out against anybody, you're lashing out against yourself. Who's your neighbor? That's why divine love alone is what governs. And right. it's what we'll, we have salvation from. Thank right. you. Because the other is hatred, isn't it? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's very important. Yeah, it is. And, and people get so full of hate and then they harm themselves. Um, this is something beautiful that she wrote about delayed healing on page 74 of the Tomlinson book. Behold how clearly the Heavenly Father has spoken to me this morning in these words. Say not, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are already white to harvest. Observe that our harvest is already here if we will but see it. It is our own blindness that delays the reaping. See this, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. If you have a case that seems protracted, lift up your eyes and realize the eternal presence of peace and harmony. Know that the harvest time of health and life is even now with you. Then he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. The fruit you gather is not for the morning and for the moment. It is for eternity. And furthermore, these blessings are ours now, that both he, both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. I think that's so beautiful. Lift up your eyes and realize the eternal presence of peace and harmony that's with you now. And then, let's see, there's one other beautiful one. Um, before we close, almost. Hmm. Well, there was one, yes, about a lecturer. Dear one, cultivate this tr tender emotion. Have a cell less in the brain and a fiber more in the heart, in yourself, and it will do much for your lectures and in healing the sick. When lecturing or addressing the church, let this tenderness appear, and like the dew, it will refresh the parched ear and lonely heart. Mm -hmm. She was always speaking of this, wasn't she? Always speaking of love. Love is the liberator. Um, and let's see, hopefully I can find now. We're going to end with this beautiful story. But while I'm looking for it, Shardy, will you tell us what you wrote to me? This week? Yes, this week. Oh, this week. Okay. Uh, love, I got it from our uh, Science and Health 454, recitation one. May I, shall I read that? Love? Yes. For God and man is the true incentive in both healing and teaching. Love inspires, illumines, designates, and leads the way. Right motives continues to thought. 
and strength and freedom to speech and action. Love is the priestess and the owner of truth. Wait patiently for divine love to move upon the waters of mortal mind and form the perfect person. And then I looked up motive, that which incites to action, that which determines the choice or moves the will, that which may or ought to incite to action, reason and cause. Motive with reason and love is becoming foremost in my prayers lately, especially when making plans to do any possible activity beyond my regular church work. And then wait patiently for divine love to move upon the waters of mortal mind and form the perfect concept. This quote has been a favorite of mine for a long time, learning patience for myself and others, for God does guide and guard and govern everything, and it's part of the correct motive. Check myself before taking action. <laughs> Thank you. Beautiful. Get that right motive. And those words, I've given it to you before, but inspires, informed by the Holy Spirit, communicate divine instructions to the mind, illumines to enlighten the mind, to cause to understand, designates to point out, to select for a certain purpose. This is all the things that love does and so beautiful that we have it <laughs> and we can share, as, as Elsie said, we share our day with God shares his day with us. God shares his love with us. God shares his truth with us, his mind with us. He shares it all with us. I have so much more that I wanted to go over. One just quick thing. Someone who called about coming to church in a week or two. Um, she, she's been in unity, but she told me um, that Maya Angelou, some of you might know her, she's a poet. I remember I studied her in high school. Um, but she was originally, she had her, originally she was in Christian science, which I think is sort of explains perhaps her, her, um, spirituality and in, in what she writes and one thing one of her best known quotes is do the best you can until you know better and when you know better do better <laughs> i mean that's just it you can't, you can't regret your past you can't feel bad because you didn't do this that or the next thing you do the best you can and when you know better you do better so i love that <laughs> i thought that was a good good thing to say okay now this is beautiful story about Mrs. Eddie. Many of you might know it, and if you've seen the DVD about her, it's certainly in that. It's the story of her and, and Mrs. Woodbury. The author writes, when I read the chapter on miscellaneous writings on Love Your Enemies, a particular experience which our leader had in 1899 and which I recorded is recalled, by which I saw the carrying out of her teaching in that chapter exemplified in her life. One of her former students, who had manifested great enmity against her and was persecuting her and falsifying her character, was dealt with in the following manner. One morning, as our dear teacher was writing letters, she called me and said, to whom do you think I have just written? From the look on her face, I said, I suppose someone to whom no one else would write. <laughs> and then she said, 
it is so-and-so, that being Mrs. Josephine Woodward, Woodbury. And I have invited her to come to see me. I have given her two days from which to select the time most convenient to her, and have asked her to telegraph and let me know the day. She read the letter through to me and told me to enclose a stamped telegraph form. I said, Oh, mother, how could you write to her when you know she is doing all she can to harm you and not hiding it, but talking about it? She said to me, you must learn to love that woman. I said, do you love her? Yes, and I am trying to bless her. If you and I do not love her, who can or will? To that letter, Mrs. Eddy received no reply. When the second day named came, before going out for her drive, she put on her special best dress and ordered the carriage to be at the door to take her for her drive an hour earlier than usual, in order to be home early before her guest arrived. Before leaving, our leader ordered another carriage to be sent to the station to meet her. Just as she was putting on her gloves before entering her carriage, she called me from my writing and said, Will you promise something? I said, Of course, I will, if it is something I can do. She said, If Mrs. Woodbury comes before I return, I want you to greet her kindly. I said, Yes, Mother, I will. Then she said, Lovingly? with a note of interrogation in her voice. <laughs> My answer was, I will try. Then she said, just heavenly. I answered, I will go upstairs and ask God to help me to do that and to show me how. Lastly, she repeated, now remember what I say, kindly, lovingly, just heavenly. I went to my room and prayed earnestly to divine love to help me, for as it was right for her to feel that, it was right for me to manifest it. <clears throat> In a short time, I felt such a desire that she should come, and willing to welcome her in the most heavenly way that I knew, because I knew what a blessing there was awaiting her through an interview with our leader, and great good would result. Our leader returned from her drive an hour earlier than usual. And when she got out of her carriage, she said, has she come yet? I said, no, mother. Never mind, she said. I will wait in the drawing room for her. In the meantime, the carriage had been sent a second and a third time to meet three trains in succession. The last time it was late and too dark for her to have come. And our leader sat in her sitting room and said, Oh, what a benediction of love she would have received. It would have saved and comforted her. I felt, I too felt sorry for her to have lost such an opportunity and a great blessing. I learned a lesson of love such as I have never forgotten. 
beautiful love of our leader. Always the answer to love more. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.